Turn with me, if you would, to the book of James. I told you last week that we were going to embark on a study of the book of James. We just studied Deuteronomy, and uh, that was a long book. This is five chapters, but there is a lot in James. There's a hundred, and I think it's a hundred and eight verses in the book of James. Fifty-nine of them are commands. Fifty-nine are commands. We got to be real careful coming to a book like this because we can we can become uh, hearers and not doers real quick, and we can also run around becoming doers without the right motivation, without the right heart behind the doing as well. Because we live in a world that is that is saturated with the notion of the self-made man, the self-made woman. We we live in a world that loves to take praise for our accomplishments. Pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, by the sweat of our own brow, climbing the ladder on our own. I mean, that is the American culture. To do it yourself, to make a name for yourself, to to keep all the glory for yourself. We we are a credential-oriented society. You look at somebody's resume, and I've looked at resumes, I don't even know what they're saying. Like, you can take the most ridiculous task and you can make it sound like you need a master's degree to do it. I I, I looked up some titles, some job titles this week, and I ended up cutting it out. But there are some crazy job titles out there that sound real great, and it means nothing. Credentials. We we love credentials. We, We love to let people know about our credentials. Even Christians, that is worldly wisdom. Have a Christian come to speak, and we want to spend 10 minutes introducing and telling all about his credentials. That's worldly wisdom. There's a part of that where you're giving honor to who honor is due, but but in the heart, we got to be careful that we may be living by worldly wisdom. Because standing in opposition to this worldly wisdom is the biblical truth that God is more responsible for the achievements in our lives than we are, He's more responsible. That, that we are a people who have been given our abilities, we've been given time, we've been given opportunities, all grace. We are a people of grace. Grace. And, and these things that, that we have are not even our possession. They're gifts. They're on loan, if you will. We're, we're to be stewards of them. And, and ultimately, the Bible is very clear. You can look at 1 Corinthians 3. What, he says, what, what did you build? Did you build wood, hay, uh, wood, wood, hay, and straw that's going to be destroyed? Or you do, did you build with gold and silver and things that will last? And it says every single person's work is going to be tested by fire to see if it burns up. Not the person. We believe once saved, always saved, and that's a very clear biblical doctrine. But his work, her work, could be burned up. If we're to boast, we're to be a people who boasts in Jesus Christ and Him crucified, not in ourselves. Yet every single thing about us, every single part of our being strains at that notion. To believe and to accept that it's all of grace. Why? Because that leads to humility. Leads to humility. And humility naturally leads to submission. It means to die to self. It means to crucify self. And that's really the issue. 
If we're honest, that's really the issue. Even John knew that. In John 3.30, he says, He must increase, but I must... I mean, He must increase, but I must decrease. We cannot simultaneously increase and expect God to increase. It's one or the other. Either I'm going to get the glory for my life, or God's going to get the glory for my life. But they, but they won't happen simultaneously. And the reality, if we're honest, is we're glory robbers. Matt Chandler said it one time, we're glory thieves. We love to take others' glory, namely God's glory, and, and take it as our own. And assume it as our own. And, and we don't want to admit, as, John, as James says in, in later on in verse 1, that every good and perfect gift is from above. and Not, not self-made man. I'm a God-grace man. Every good and perfect gift is from above because that would mean that I've got to yield to Him. That I've got to acknowledge somebody else and not myself. I've got to acknowledge that I've been called to serve and not to be served. And, and as we jump into James, I, I want to I, I set the table first with one word. What, the, the reason why I mentioned 59 out of 108 verses commands. And if we, don't, if we don't set the table right, we'll come to James with the wrong heart, with the wrong attitude, we'll walk out of here hearing the wrong things, and we'll go awry. And, and so in, in, in accordance with the Lord's Supper, we, we try to do that every third Sunday. I'm not perfect at that. Sometimes those third Sundays creep up on me. But I, I want to I look at one word here in James 1 and, and, and sort of fence the table, fence our lives, really fence our study of the book of James so that we'll get everything in the right context, in the proper context. That we're not earning our salvation. We're not doing anything for our glory. We're doing things in response to what God has done for us. And, and I hope that we will see that. And, and, and yet, I want, I, I want to tie that to what we do here today with the Lord's Supper and what we celebrate, what we remember. And, and here's what I want to talk about today. Look at James 1.1. Look, look at how James introduces the book. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of our credentials, everything that is great about Chris Basham is found not in Chris Basham because of Chris Basham. It's found in my master. James says, if you want to know anything about me, Everything that's great, everything that there is great about James is found in the one I serve. Right, right from the start, we said it last week, we talked about sacrificial mercy. Right from the start, James is acting on a character and from a wisdom that is not of this world. Nothing to do with this world. It's of God. James is showing off the sacrificial mercy and the sacrificial character and nature of his Savior that flows through his life. If, if, if James in the flesh, if James according to worldly wisdom was writing this introduction, you know how he'd introduce himself? He'd say, James, the half-brother of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, the Messiah, half-brother. Grew up with him. Taught him a few things. You wouldn't believe what happened as, as a youngster. You wouldn't believe all the stuff I saw him do as a youngster. James, half-brother of Jesus Christ. You know what else he'd say? Hey, James, leader of the church of Jerusalem. I'm a leader in the church. Oh, yeah, here, here's how many I got in my church. 
Here, here's how many converts I've got. Here, here's all this leader in the church. You can go to Galatians 1.19. James is lumped in with, with other apostles. Some believe that he was a, a, a somewhat of a special apostle in a similar way to Paul. I don't know if that's right or not. But he was well regarded. He was highly regarded. When Paul had gone away for some 13 years into the desert for God to teach him and to, to train him and get rid of all that bad theology, you know who Paul came back and saw? He came back and saw James. James was a leader. If, if James in worldly wisdom was writing this introduction, it would have credential after credential after credential. Even Jude, at the introduction of his letter, you know who Jude associates himself with? James. Because James was a leader. James was highly regarded. And when we, when we take the Bible narrative as a whole, James clearly had credentials. He had a lot of credentials. He had a lot of authority. And yet James doesn't mention a single thing here about his authority or his credentials. He mentions nothing about himself. He mentions nothing about his own doing. All James mentions here is his relationship to Jesus Christ and his role that was as a believer that was summed up in one word, servant. Servant. He doesn't list all the things he does. He doesn't list his accolades. You know, he sums it all up in one word, servant. That word is the word doulos. It, it better renders the word slave. And I realize in, a cult, in American culture, we have a, a, a dark spot in our history regarding that word. And, and I say that with all sensitivity to that. But in this culture, James said, I'm a slave. And, I, and I'm proud to be a slave of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know anything about me? Summed up in one word, slave to our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. James could conceive of no higher honor than being a slave to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. No higher honor. The, the, this relationship to Jesus Christ as his slave, as his servant, was of primary importance, more so than anything else in James's life. James's whole life was dictated by this one title, servant. Servant. Everything in James's life revolved around this one title, Slave of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. Following and serving Jesus Christ was the sum of his entire existence. It was more than simply a religious designation. It was more than simply a title that you would see on a, on a business card. It was more than just a denominational thing. It was the sum of his entire existence. And he would follow to his own peril no matter the cost. James knew well the truth of 1 Corinthians six nineteen that says, Or do you not know, brethren, that you have been bought with a price? Therefore glorify God in your body. The Holy Spirit is in you. You are literally a temple of the Holy Spirit. The word there is, is naos. It's the same word that was used in the, in the Old Testament in the tabernacle in regard to the Holy of Holies. You and I, brother and sister in Christ, are the holy of holies. Why? Because God resides in us. We're His servants. James knew he had been bought with a price, and not just any price, it was the blood of the Savior, the one true God, Jesus Christ. We belong to Christ. We are His possession. And that fact changes everything 
about the experience of a slave. James uses the same language here, and, and that language is prevalent. Paul referred to himself this way. David was referred to this way in the, in the Hebrew in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses, Abraham, all saw themselves as servants, slaves. And in Roman culture, hear me, in Roman culture, the experience of a slave com- completely, it depended completely upon the character of your master. Your experience, your life as a slave was completely, as a servant, was completely dependent upon the character of your master. Everything about your existence, good or bad, depended upon your master and who your master was and his character. And that's significant when you consider the character of Jesus Christ, when you consider the character of our master, who we saw said last week, sacrificial and mercy. If you were going to sum up Jesus's character. If you're going to sum it up in, in two words, it would be sacrificial mercy. We said that word is kessed in the Old Testament, literally loving kindness. Number one way that Jesus Christ is described in the Old Testament, kessed, loving kindness. We serve a master, Matthew 20, 28 says, who did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We serve a master who gives to us, who serves us. That's a good master. And James understands this, and he builds the whole letter really upon this. He spends much time, even in James, praising the character of his master and showing the outworking of that. Sacrificial mercy. James had received that, and he's telling us time and time again, sacrificial mercy is the outworking of our faith. That is the work of faith. Expecting nothing in return. No results guaranteed, servant. And James's joy in serving his master, but also others. And this is the point right here where we talked about last week, worldly wisdom versus godly wisdom. Which one are we going to build our lives upon? Which one are we going to, are we going to follow? And this is one of those points where the world and the Bible and its wisdom collide. The world stresses, again, letting people know your credentials. Let them know your resume. Tell them all about it. When I get in Christian circles with pastors, you know what the first question I'm asked? How many are you running these days? And I tell them, I don't run at all. I don't like to. I don't run. I know what they're asking. Listen, th- this place is full. You know why it's full? The grace of God. You know why it's full? Because the Word of God. I just happen to be the guy that's standing behind the pulpit. God is doing it here. 1 Corinthians 3, so the one who plants and the one who waters are what? Nothing. Some plant, some waters. Some the people in their day were saying, oh, well, I follow Apollos. Well, I follow Paul. Well, I follow this. Paul says, you know what? It doesn't matter because we're nothing. You know what's something? The grace of our Lord and Savior is something. The world says, market yourself. The Bible, you know what the Bible says? Deny yourself. The world says, rely upon your own strength. You know what the Bible says? Rely upon Christ's strength. The world stresses self-awareness. The Bible stresses others' awareness. The world says, look out for yourself. The Bible says, give up yourself. The world says, serve where there's a good return. You know what the Bible says? Serve expecting nothing in return. Trusting the Lord that one day when you get to heaven, there'll be a return that'll blow your mind. Our flesh, our flesh wants nothing to do with humility. And, And that is the problem that every single one of us face. 
Because humility has a difficult time existing with self-awareness. I, I, I enjoy golf. I was, I was very happy to see uh, Jordan Spieth win the Masters. And I saw an interview with him, and, and he seems to be a very humble guy. He, he, has a, uh, he has a sister that has special needs, and, and they asked him about that, and he said, I'm, I'm grateful for her. Because when I have a bad day on the golf course, I see her and she hugs me. She knows nothing about it and reminds me I'm privileged simply to be able to be out on the golf course. And he's had time and time. They, but what I'm getting to is they asked him about his humility. They said, Jordan, can you talk to us about humility? Here was his answer. He said, to talk about my humility would actually be a sign of not being humble. The reporter didn't know where to go with that. I mean, the reporter literally, I know they were expecting him to lay his credentials out. Well, I was humble here, and I was humble here, and I was humble here, and I was humble here. He says, I'm not going to talk about humility. Because th- that's the sign of humility. He doesn't want to t- humility. Humble people don't want to talk about themselves. And our flesh doesn't want that. And the key to true humility is getting your eyes off of yourself and onto the one for whom all things are due and from whom all things, all things flow. L- look at Hebrews 12, verse 2 for just a second says this, the writer of Hebrews says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. That's humility, fixing your eyes on somebody else. And true humility comes about when we are consumed with the awareness of, the, of another. Consumed with the awareness of another. Jesus himself was consumed with one thing, glorifying the Father. He said, I don't come to do my will. I came to do the will of the Father. James was consumed with with the the awareness of another, and it was Jesus Christ. Humility is not thinking less of ourselves. It is thinking of ourselves less. It's thinking of others. And in James' case... All of this flowed, all of this showed itself in service to others. Service to others. And that's our job. That's what God has called us to do, to reflect the character and the nature of our Heavenly Father. Sacrificial mercy. Displaying sacrificial mercy on behalf of one to another. And we are to fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the perfect example of that. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2. Let me, let me read some verses out of Philippians chapter 2. Paul says, Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, starting in verse 1, if there is any consolation or love, if there is any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in the Spirit, intent on one purpose. Do nothing, listen to this, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. Same word, same word James uses. And being made in the likeness of men. Being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. There was no more despised, no more humiliating way to die in that day than on a cross. 
For this reason also God, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and those who are in heaven on earth and under earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God the Father. Jesus humbled himself and allowed God to give him his credentials. He had credentials. And yet he humbled himself. And the true test, hear me, the true test of humility, the true test of being a servant is when you're treated like a servant. Hear me, it's one thing to choose to serve others, but it's an entirely another thing to be treated like a servant. There can be a difference. We can be very good at picking and choosing where we serve, where it's convenient, where it's very apparent, where it's this and that, but it's entirely another thing. Listen, you can ask yourself, do people normally come up to me and ask me to do things? It might be because they don't regard you as a servant. Do, they rely, do, do people rely on you? Do they call you? Do they ask you? See, it's one thing to serve. It's totally another to be treated like a servant. A servant is often taken for granted, overlooked, unnoticed. A servant gives up the right to be in charge to whom they serve, how long they serve, where they serve. Everything about us screams against this, especially, especially service rendered in secret. We love to tell people. We love for people to see it. And our tendency, the worldly wisdom, is to serve selectively. Godly wisdom says serve sacrificially without regard to the reward. And I want us to be a church. I want us to be a church that is willing to lay our credentials down. Any so-called credentials, anything that we might think for a second that we bring to the table to lay it down. Because those are the things that keep us from sacrificial mercy. Those are the very things that are going to keep us from, 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 from sacrificially serving even those who, can, who cannot repay us. From giving ourselves. When we think we bring things to the table. I pray that we would be a church that does exactly what James does. That, that we would go home and we would do... Ex I mean, not to James, that Paul does. Listen to me in Philippians 3, verses 4 and following. Uh, starting in verse 3. For we are the true circumcision who worship in the Spirit of God and the glory of Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, although I myself might have confidence even in the flesh. If anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, I far more circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. Listen to what Paul says. Those are his credentials. You know what he does? But whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as lost for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them rubbish, so that I may gain Christ, and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own arrived from, derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed even to His death, in order that I may attain the resurrection from the dead. That, that's the reward, people. It's the resurrection of the dead. So uh, John sent me a thing the other day from Vody Bachum and said, we are resurrection-oriented people. That's true. That's the reward. 
The ultimate reward is not going to be found on this earth. It's a resurrection. And, and, I, and I pray that we would be a people that simply wants to serve our master through sacrificial mercy because that's what we've received through Christ. We've been given sacrificial mercy and therefore we show others sacrificial mercy. Not worried about credentials, not worried about status, not worried about whether we did this that last time and that person hasn't done anything. This is, no, no, you serve just to serve. I don't have to earn, you don't have to earn or impress anybody because of God's grace. Our identity as believers is found in who Christ says we are, not what we do. He's already declared that over me. Therefore, I can give up myself. Why? Because I have found a happiness and a joy that is not tied to doing. It's tied to being who I am. And my future is secure. My inheritance is, in, is secure. I can't lose it. I didn't do anything to gain it. Be, because of that, I can serve in a way that I don't need to be noticed. I don't need to be rewarded. Why? Because I'm going to trust God with the reward. In Matthew 6, he, he says to the Pharisees, Woe who you, to you who do all this in front of men and for men's praise. He's, and notice, he says a quick little thing. He says, For you have received your reward in full. You know what he's saying to them? You do it for man's applause, that's all you're getting is man's applause. You, you got what you wanted. God says, I'm off the hook. I don't need to reward you for that because you didn't do it for my reward. And, and we're real good at doing things for what man thinks. And I pray that we would be a people who, who sacrificially, mercifully serve simply because that is the character of our master. That's what we've received. The, the more we love Jesus, the more we will be able to love one another. My love for one another flows first out of my love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And hear me, these are not easy things to do. It, it is not natural for us to consider the needs of others before our own. Inside of every one of us, there is a war waging. Godly wisdom, worldly wisdom, self others way of the word way of the world there's a battle raging and the only way that we will win the battle is to follow christ it's to follow christ he has declared us forgiven he has declared us saved he has declared us righteous he has declared us justified he has declared us sons he has declared us daughters quit trying to flash your credentials you don't need them Isaiah 64, I think it's 64, 6, says that your credentials are rubbish. He says our deeds done in righteousness are, are filthy rags compared to Christ. Quit it. Quit it. And every single bit of this is summed up today in what we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. And, and I was reminded of this. I, I, I hope this speaks to you the way that it the way that the Lord taught me through it. I, I was reminded of this. I, Thursday I sat, Thursday is my day that I, I kinda all week gather, you know, I, I feel like all week I use the illustration, I shop and study and make notes and all this stuff. And then on Thursday I try to cook the meal and obviously some meals are, are better than others. I try to put it together on Thursday and I I hated everything that I did on Thursday. I tried to write, tried to write, tried to write, tried to put my thoughts together, and just simply, I had nothing. And you got to understand, for a people pleaser, for a, for a task-oriented person, for that, that's daunting. That's hard. Hard to pillow my head at night on Thursday night, just being honest. 
when the sermon's not done. So I had Friday morning, uh, a, a friend of mine had invited me to go uh, turkey hunting. So, so I got up and, and, and we went turkey hunting Friday morning and, you know, I'm sitting there and the whole time I'm thinking, man, I, ain't, I got nothing. I got to get home. I got to shoot something and get out of here. I got, I got work to do. I know they don't want to gather just to hear me tell a story about my turkey hunting, even though that's what I'm doing. So we had, we had literally been there for less than an hour. And the guy I was with, Dan, says, Hey, Chris, there's three turkey over here to the left. And so I'm right there. He's like, don't point, don't move. Like, you know. And that guy did these little things with this call. Those turkeys... I literally had my gun set in a thing, and I'm just sitting like this. And those jokers walked right in front of my gun. I didn't move it. I didn't. Matter of fact, there were three of them. Two of them were like this. If I'd have been a better shot, I could have killed two at one time. But I literally was sitting here, and he walked them right in front of me within an hour, shot it. And, and you know, I sat in that chair. We sat around. I mean, we haven't been there an hour. We're like, well, what are we going to do now? So we, we, we just sat there and watched, walked around, messed around. And, and as we did, the Holy Spirit, Spirit reminded me of some things. And, and I, and I, and I want to believe that's why I had a hard time writing on Thursday because God had something He wanted to teach me on Friday. And, and here, here, here's, here's what the, the, the Holy Spirit convicted me of. You know, I heard turkeys hunting is hard and all this, and I'm thinking in my mind, just so you're honest, I don't know what people talk about this so hard. I, mean, I wasn't even there an hour and I shot that joker. This was dumb. I mean, this is not hard. But, but, but here, here's what the Holy Spirit, in that pride, in that arrogance, in, in all of the things I was thinking about telling people, here's, here's, here's what, here's what I, the Holy Spirit told me. That hunt, nothing about that hunt, nothing about that experience had anything to do with me. It was completely based upon relationships that I have. I brought absolutely nothing to the table for that hunt. Here's what I mean by that. It wasn't my land. Nathan Lay let me go on his land. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't my gun. It, it wasn't even my clothes. I didn't have no clothes on that belonged to me. It wasn't my bullets. It wasn't my bird was nothing to me. I mean, when, Nate, when, when Dan asked me to go hunting, I said, you, he, he, we went last year, but I said, you remember, I got nothing. I got no gun. I got nothing. Every single aspect of that hunt was given to me. It, every single aspect was provided by somebody else. Every single thing that happened that morning was based on somebody else's credentials. I brought absolutely nothing to the table. Everything was grace. Every single aspect of the cost of that hunt was absorbed and, and fielded by somebody else. What, where do I have to boast about that? Why, why would I boast? If I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast in somebody else because of that hunt. And I was sitting there in that chair thinking, all of my credentials, all of my credentials for this hunt were found in someone else. All of my success that day rested on somebody else. The, the hero of that hunt was Dan DeBray. 
Dan DeBray provided everything outside of the land for me to be successful. He called the turkey 15 feet in front of me. I felt like I could have jumped on the thing. Like, I don't even need your gun. I'm just going to chase it down. I mean, these things are supposed to be so smart. I'm like, this guy's a moron. But Dan gave me, Dan did all of the work. I'm literally just sitting there in a, a, a tree, sitting there in a chair. He's doing all the work. All I had to do was look through a thing and shot the thing. And, and, and again, it, it, when I say he did all the work, there are two things you need to be good at turkey hunting. Sitting still and being quiet. I ain't good at either one of those things. He must have told me, I, it is a miracle we shoot anything when he goes to me. He must have told me 50 times, quit moving, put your hands down, quit talking to me. I'm like, dude, we're here together. Let's catch, get to know you. I mean, let's catch up. Not right now, Chris. I mean, I'm checking my phone. I want to play a game. I'm, it's a good thing we were only there for an hour. But, I mean, it's work. It, it was all grace. I, the, I had nothing. All grace. And as I sat there, it dawned on me that that's a picture of Christianity and salvation. Someone, as a Christian, you know what? Somebody else's credentials are the story of my life. As a Christian, you know whose credentials I'm clinging to? Jesus Christ's. I don't want no part of my credentials because my credentials are entitled with this, sin. Jesus Christ's credentials are the ones that are going to get me into heaven. I was dead in my sin, and God, by His grace, opened my eyes to His salvation and offered it because God was satisfied in Jesus Christ. God was satisfied, satisfied in Jesus Christ's sacrifice. And because of that, I could be saved. Not, not Chris, but Christ. Jesus Christ brought everything to the table that made salvation possible. The only thing, listen to me, I, I thought about that. The only thing that I brought to, to the cross, do you know the only thing that I brought to the cross was? Sin. Sin. The only thing that I was responsible for at the cross was sin. And by the way, it was that very sin that got, that got Christ crucified. That, that is the very thing that put Jesus Christ on the cross. That's all I brought to the table. I, I couldn't even decide whether to do it completely on my own because Ephesians 2.1 says I'm dead. I'm dead in my sin. My credentials as a Christian, you know what they are? They're Christ. They're all found in Christ. Therefore, if I'm going to boast, you know what I'm going to boast in? I'm going to boast in Christ. My role, my response... I simply pulled the trigger in that hunt. You know what my response, my role is? Love others the way that I've been loved by Christ. Sacrificially, mercifully. Did I deserve Him to do that? I didn't. Did I warn Him doing that? No. Have I been completely loyal since then? No. And yet He did it anyway. All at His own cost. And, and here's where I want to boil this down real quickly. And we're going to take these elements. If, if, if you were writing a letter today with that in mind, if you were writing this letter today, if you were writing the letter, if it was the letter of fill in your blank, fill in your name, how would you start it? How would you start it? Jeff Malden, the servant of... How would you fill in the blank? Amy Ray, 
would you even put servant in there? And I don't mean that person. I don't mean to pick on you when I say that. Well, how would you fill in the blank? Your name, servant of what? How would others fill in the blank? How would people at your school? How would people at your work? How would people that you recreate with, spend time with and outside of here, how would they fill in the blank? Where, where do you find your sense of worth? Is it in emptying yourself on behalf of others or is it in being served? Is there a tissue down there by any chance? No. Is it, are you, are, are, is it, is it in the things of this world? Do you find your significance in the things of this world? Or, or do you find your significance in who Christ has already declared you to be? Thank you, sorry. What, what credentials, what credentials are you clinging to today apart from simply being a Christian? If, we were to, if you were to list an inventory of your credentials, would it simply say Christian or would you try to cram a whole bunch of other stuff in? Or would all this other stuff simply flow out of being a Christian? But what are some things that might keep you from sacrificially showing mercy to others? Are, are there certain people that you won't serve? Are there certain people that you, you willingly serve? Why? Because you get something in return. W would people qualify you as a taker or would they classify you as a giver? The thing I want us to think about today is might we, as we study James, might we humbly serve Christ, one another, and the world sacrificially without regard of a reward? Why, might we be a people that simply says, I'm going to give up myself and I'm going to trust the Lord to do that reward. I'm going to be like what Paul says in Romans 8.18, For I do not consider the present sufferings of this world to compare with the glory that is to be revealed in us. Paul says, when I get to heaven, it will all be worth it. God has told us He will reward us. Might we just simply trust that? Might, might that be what we individually and corporately are known for as a church that shows sacrificial mercy? Might, might we think more of others than ourselves? Might we look for opportunities to serve rather than opportunities to be served? Might we be a people that shows sacrificial mercy regardless of the return? Might we just take no account in the return? Might, might our whole lives just flow out of the one title that we bear as followers of Jesus Christ, Christian. Everything flows out of that wanting to represent my Savior. Might, might, we, might we realize that we have no credentials. Everything in our life has been given to us. We, we bring nothing to the table apart from the grace of God. And, that, and even that He provided. And in response to that, might we sacrificially serve each other no matter the cost? All because we have been served. All because the character of our master is that he served us. As we eat these, this, this bread, as we drink this juice, it is a picture of Jesus' body who was crucified on a cross for you. Because of your sin, because of my sin. As we drink this blood, it was shed because there is no remissions of sin without the shedding of blood. All the Old Testament sacrifices pointed to this. Sin required a blood sacrifice. 
As you take these elements, I want you to, I want you to hold them in your hand and I want you to think about it. In comparison to that, in comparison to Jesus dying on the cross, do we have what, what foolishness to hold up our credentials? What foolishness to cling to credentials? What foolishness to pick and choose who we're going to serve when Jesus Christ served even His enemies? Even those who would fight against Him? If you're here today and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've had your sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus, you're free to take this. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, if, you are, if you're here today and you're not trusting singularly in the blood of Jesus, please do not take these. Just stay, stay in your seat. The Bible speaks clearly that taking these elements in an unworthy manner is, is you're, you're drinking judgment upon yourself. And when you're drinking this, when you're eating this, and you think about Jesus Christ hanging on a cross, it's not popular, but don't, don't. yes, He loves you, but I want you to think about this as well. That, that, that is how much He loves you. But that's how also how ugly our sin is. That's also how terrible our sin is. They require Jesus Christ to die on a cross, and yet... Even though we were enemies, Christ died for us. Joyfully, voluntarily, chose to die in our place, in our stead, out of obedience to the Father. Might we be a people that do the same on behalf of others, die to self, that they would live.